Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. I was listening to a podcast only about a week or so ago where they were saying that 60% of Americans, now I don't have any figures for Australia, uh, but 60% of people in the US self-report as being financially illiterate. In other words, six out of 10 people in the US, when they're asked, do you feel confident about managing finance? Six out of 10 say no. A couple of us were chatting side stage before the service and uh, several of them are university educated, but they were saying, I never learned any of this growing up. It wasn't a part of my upbringing. And if you don't learn it at home, and you probably don't learn it at school, then when are you going to learn? The Scripture tells us in 3 John chapter 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. That's an important part of it. I've got no doubt whatsoever that God wants every believer to prosper, if only for this one reason. Uh, I'm sure there's many others because He loves you because He wants you to be blessed. But I also know that He wants you to be a part of the answer for reaching our world with the great news of Jesus. And so of course He wants you to prosper. I don't understand the kind of believing that says we don't believe in God blessing us. Well, the Bible certainly does. But along with that, it does give us many warnings. The Bible's got a lot to say about finance. I'm saying all this because I know that for some people, they think that churches shouldn't talk about money. Oh, I don't agree with you. I believe that we ought to talk about it and we ought to be equipping each one of us to be better stewards of what gives, God gives us so that we can be wise in our dealings. Proverbs 28 and verse 20, listen to it, says this, Greedy people try to get rich quick, but don't realise they're headed for poverty. And so it's not just a matter of prayer and God pouring it out over my life. And somehow rather I end up being a multimillionaire. It means I, there's a whole lot in this subject. And so we want to open that up tonight to help me uh, in this discussion. Well, actually, they're going to do most of the informing. I want you to welcome back Pastor Bruce Grant. Here he comes. And you'll find out why he's up here for this a little bit later. Give him a big hand. So all right, we can clap in this church. Hi, Bruce. And here comes none other than Peter Gom. Come on, Peter, give him a big hand. We love Peter. Peter Gom is the principal. Is that what they call you? The principal of Gom Finance. And you may notice that it carries the same name. And that's because it's a business that Peter and his wife, Lynette, who's here, founded many years ago. And I know that even though you were a a bank manager way back there, there's always been something in your life. I remember, the, I remember meeting you. I'm not sure if you remember back that far, but I remember the first time I met you. And it was pretty obvious that you were somebody who wanted to do more than simply get the financial skills that you'd acquired and use them to enrich yourself. And you've been, you and your wife have been two of the most generous people uh, not just within the life of the church, but outside of it as well. And I don't want to embarrass you by talking about all the stuff you guys are a part of, but 
I just know you've been a blessing to so many. And I want to say thank you, Peter, and to you, Lynette, as well, for living a life as long as I've known you. Lives of generosity and lives of saying, how do we help other people? And I want to thank you for all the people over the years that I've sent to you who came to me and saying, I don't know what to do. And I've go, look, bring this guy. Uh, he'll help you with it. And uh, so thank you for that, Peter. You've been great. Pleasure. Peter, thank you. Ah, it's all right. And thank you too. Give Lynette a big hand as well, would you? She's the champ. That's for sure. So let's get right into this. We want to talk about finance and some of the things in here I've, I've really only learned about in the last while myself. So I'm pretty sure that what you've got to say is going to be a real blessing. And you too, Bruce, as well. Thank you for being a part of that. Now, of course, I've got to give this disclaimer. You know that you get it every time you listen to financial people. And they say all the advice that's given tonight is general only in nature. And that you should go to your professional advisor for specific advice about your needs. All right? Couldn't have put it better myself. Oh, thank you very much. Let's talk, let's get right into this because I'd heard about this, never really knew how it worked until I guess really only a couple of years ago. And that is for people that have got a mortgage or people that are thinking, I know several young people in this church that have either just bought a home or are planning to. And I was talking to you about offset accounts. And I think a lot of people would have heard of it, but don't know how it works and how it can help them. So how about you tell us a bit about offset accounts, Peter, what they, how they are. So first of all, interest on home loans is calculated on a daily basis. So each and every day, at the end of that business day, the bank um, calculates a day's worth of interest on what you owe. But the benefit of a mortgage offset um, or an offset account is that any monies that are um, deposited in your savings account are linked for interest calculation purposes to your home loan. So for example, you might owe $210,000 on your home loan, but you've got $10,000 over here in your everyday savings account. So that's your normal everyday account where your pays go and direct debits come out of and direct credits go into. The only difference is that for the purposes of calculating the interest, the bank pretends that that money was sitting in your home loan. So in that example where you owe $210,000 in your home loan here, but you've got $10,000 in your savings account here, the bank pretends that $10,000 was in there, in which case if it was, they only charge you interest on $200,000. So where you have a, a home loan that has an offset account linked to it, interest is calculated daily on whatever the outstanding balance between those two is. So that potentially saves you interest um, at the actual home loan rates. If you're paying 3% on the home loan, then those monies in the savings account are saving you 3% interest off that home loan. And for those of you who've got money invested, and I say that loosely, <laughs> uh, in a savings account, ordinary everyday savings account at the moment, you might be getting 0.001% less tax. So you're really getting nothing. You're almost paying, in fact, with bank fees, you're probably paying the bank to hang on to the money for you. So if it's in an offset account, saving your money off your home loan, that's probably pretty much the best place to have it parked at the moment. Can I ask you, uh, a lot of us think banks are complicated and banking is therefore complicated. And so when it comes to an offset account, a lot of people are going to go, oh, how many forms have I got to fill in? How difficult is it if you don't have one, but you have a home loan? How difficult is it to go and get a, uh, an offset account attached or to refinance? 
well, trust me, banks are very complicated, that's why I've got no hair. But um, it is very easy to get an offset account. If you've already got a home loan, you've already got a savings account, pretty much one phone call um, will be all it takes to convert your existing savings account to an offset account. Really? Alternatively, if you just have a, a plain and simple home loan that doesn't have an offset facility, then again, depending which bank you're with, pretty much a tick and flick form will be, um, could be used to convert it from a, a basic style home loan to an offset style wow. home loan. And failing that, if you're going to be doing that, then I would also be casting my gaze around the market to see what other offers are out there because um, the banks are all scrambling over each other to try to attract your business and there's quite a few cashback offers over outside there at the moment um, in addition with great rates and as I've said in these seminars before, typically the banks will offer their new clients a better deal than what they're offering their existing clients. So the poor old existing clients are subsidising the cheap interest rates for the new clients. So when I talk about cashback, it typically costs you about $700 to refinance to a different bank. So that'll be the existing bank who's losing your business. They might charge you $350 and there'll be government fees and charges of $350. But the new bank, to try to entice you to go to them, will offer you cashback to make up for those costs. So those costs, as I said, are about $700. Some banks are offering as much as $4,000. So before you even save money on the interest rate, there's $4,000 that the new bank puts in your bank account. It's only cost you $700. So in that example, you're $3,300 up before you even start. There's one bank out there, if you've got several properties, let's say you're an investor and you've got several investment properties, they're actually offering you $3,000 per property. And so one of my broking mates refinanced for a, an investor who actually had 42 properties. So they actually got about $126,000 in cash back before they even saved any interest. So um, there's some good deals out there. Wow, that is quite incredible. Now, can I just clarify this? Because as I understand it, your offset account can actually operate just like a savings account. And so you can have like your wages paid into that and, and use it like that, is that it's correct? Just, it's just a normal everyday transaction account or savings account like you already have. And if you apply for a loan and you've already got a uh, a normal everyday savings account with that bank, that savings account could then be converted to an offset wow. account. And some banks, as part of their home loan packages, um, will give you up to as many as 10 offset accounts. You might say, who the heck wants 10? But if you're a disciple of um, a guy called Scott Pape, who's called the Barefoot Investor, and he writes in the Sunday Times every, every week, and he recommends having all these different cubbyholes accounts. So you might have a his account, a her account, a joint account, one each for the kids' account. Um, an everyday account, a rainy day account, a holiday account, have up to 10 accounts and they can all be offset against your one home loan, but you're keeping them all separate for budget purposes. So that can be a useful tool as well. There's a lot of this, isn't there, that, and one of the things I love about these sessions, and I realise they're a bit unusual for church, for a lot of people, uh, but I am passionate about equipping people for everyday life. It's fine that we say yes to Jesus, and that's the greatest thing we'll ever do. And it's amazing that eternity awaits us. But I'm passionate about making sure that we're positioned well so that we can live a great life now and be a part of the answer. That's not a cliche to me. And a lot of what you're saying takes away the, the mystery of all of this because a lot of small things, if you were putting your wage into there, whatever, uh, that can ultimately, over a long period of time, over the life of your mortgage, that can make a massive difference to how much you give the bank. Yeah, that's right. I mean, home loans are probably 
one of the quickest and easiest ways or sources of being able to save money. I mean, just a small tweak off the interest rate can make hundreds, if not thousands of dollars in savings for you. So, and yet, you know, so if, you know, when I ring up my clients and say, look, I've, I've, um, I can get you this, this and this deal at this particular bank. I mean, I had one guy and we were going to save him $18,000 a year. And, um, and he said, oh, gee, that's really good, but uh, now look, it's too much trouble. And I said, but I do all the work for you. All you have to do is sign on the dotted line. Uh, yeah, I hear what you're saying, Peter, but no, it's too much hassle. And I said, look, if your boss gave you an $18,000 pay rise, you'd be pretty wrapped about this. Oh, I'd be stoked. That'd be great. And I said, well, that's what I'm offering you, courtesy of the bank. And he could tell that what I was saying made sense, but it just, he just couldn't bring himself to commit. And he was a Scottish guy. He used to fly to, he was from Aberdeen, and he used to fly to Aberdeen every year. And I said, that's the equivalent of like six business class airfares every year because he was in the top tax bracket. So for him to end up with $18,000 in his pocket, he would have to earn about $35,000. The government takes half out, so he ends up with about $18,000 in his pocket. So I said, that's six, that's six business class return airfares for your family each year, courtesy of the bank. And that sort of pricked his ears up a bit, but he still didn't go ahead. So you can take a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Yeah, true. Well, I think that just shows, though, how for so many people it's a scary thing. Uh, money, borrowing is scary. Just kind of jumping on from that, because I also know you're a pretty big advocate of paying down your mortgage as quickly as you can, even if it's only with small amounts. Mm -hmm. Tell us some more about that. So you take every opportunity, particularly now with interest rates at all-time lows. I mean, they're the cheapest they've been for about 50 years, if not uh, the lowest um, ever. So you can get a variable rates down around as low as around about the 2.2% mark. You can get three-year fixed rates for around 2.09. And then that coupled with your cashbacks makes it attractive for you to get the best deal. So if you can save a few thousand dollars a year, I mean, for example, let's say you save $3,000 a year, well, that's pretty much your council and shire rates pay for, courtesy of the bank. Why wouldn't you? So the little, little tips, little tricks, A is potentially exploring going down the offset path and seeing whether an offset account um, is right for you. Um, ring the bank once a year and just keep them honest. Just make the call and say, hey, you know, I've been speaking to my mate at the water cooler, they're paying this rate, I'm paying that rate, where your rate's much higher, what will you do? And if the answer is, well, we're not going to do anything, then maybe you should go to a different bank or maybe you should consult with a mortgage broker to see if they can get you a much better deal. But if you don't ask, you don't get. Um, if you get any bonus income, so if you get a bonus, obviously in the current COVID climate, maybe that's not likely, but if you get bonus payment, if you get a pay rise, anything like that, or if you get a tax refund, stick it straight in your home loan or stick it straight in your offset account. Either way, you still save the same amount of interest. But they're all, that's all bonus money. You're not relying on that. So any of that sort of type of bonus income, stick it off your home loan. Um, and then compound interest working in your favour will ensure that you pay that home loan off super, super fast. So any of those sorts of things, just, yeah, pay it straight into your home loan. So that's a good thing to do. Pastor Bruce... Um let me just bring you in here on this because I know you and your wife, Robin, you, how old were you when you purchased your first home? Uh, 23. 23 years young. Purchased your first home, but both of you are pretty energetic when it comes to positioning yourselves uh, for the future. How long after that did you buy your second home? Uh, I think it was about 10 years we understood the value of property and long-term oh. growth. 
and thought, you know, for very minimal outlay, we could actually have a very different financial future. So that was the motivation for hopping onto that. Now, I know you and Peter worked on a couple of graphs that just illustrate this. Can you just talk us through them for a minute, how those things work with both the offset and the paying it down? Sure. Yeah. So the first graph we've got for you um, is that offset uh, example. It's coming up in just a few moments. Uh, the dollar's a little bit more than Peter initially quoted, but in actual fact, that's great because it also shows you the savings uh, can be more than what Peter referred to initially. So that's the first one there. So you've typically got your $400,000 mortgage, um, and we've taken the average uh, wage in WA, and let's assume it's $3,500 that you get each month, and that figure is after tax and after compulsory superannuation. So that's how much the average single wage earner would actually have. And depending on when your bills come through, most of that money could be sitting in your bank account for most of the month. And as Peter uh, explained, the bank pretends that money is actually reduced from your mortgage. So the bar chart on the right hand side there shows you what your mortgage effectively looks like as far as the bank is concerned. So it goes from 400000 to 396500 And that lesser amount is what they charge the interest on every single month. So your money is working for you without doing anything at all. The next graph um, is where you've got some savings. Uh, and as Peter mentioned, you can have different accounts if you want to, to help track what your finances are doing. So again, same mortgage, 400,000, and you'd be crazy to not continue to leverage the offset account. So there's the offset that's already there, the $3,500 for your normal um, wages that you get. And then assuming that you've got a savings account, you're saving for a new car or a holiday or something like that. So if you had $20,000 in there, then of course that reduces the mortgage even further down to three seventy-six. And every month the bank says, hey, we're only going to charge you interest on that amount. So it's no change to what you are currently doing. You're getting your salary every month. If you're saving for things, you're saving for it anyway. Why not save the interest? But you can still take that money back out whenever you want to. Of course. You? Yep. So if you want to get that car or you want to go on that cruise, uh, <laughs> it was a bit of a joke there, yeah. Uh, you know, you can take that out where you want it. But I see up here on the right-hand side you've got the box. Yes. The mortgage over 30 years on just this example, yep. you're going to save over the life of the loan. Is that figure right? It's $100,000. Are you sure about that? Absolutely. 100 grand and take three and a half years yep. off your mortgage yep. doing that. That's right. That's kind of crazy. Yep. So if you want to reward yourself after the mortgage, that's a lot of money to reward yourself with. <laughs> wow. That's quite incredible. And that's calculated. Over on the right-hand side here, we've got – so that's based on the average interest home loan rate over the last 20 years is 6.6%. Wow. So that's – based not on the record sort of low interest rates at the moment, that's what a typical rate would be based on the last 20 years. And so, yeah, you'd save three and a half years off the term of your loan just doing it that way. Wow. Mm. I know, Peter, you told us in the first one of these back whenever it was a few months ago that when the government allowed everyone to take 10 grand out of the super fund and for whatever, the rainy day thing, that most people didn't save that and then put it back in, they actually wasted it, uh, would be what I guess you'd say about it. Um, and yet when you look at this, you go, if we really focus on saying to ourselves, I'm going to manage this like I'd manage any other part of my life, like I'd manage my health, or like I'd manage my children's education if I have children, then you would do a lot more intention to that. And that's really what you're saying is not 
you know, find the magic stick or whatever, but just go, let's just be intentional about our financial life, our stewardship of what God's given us. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you should sort of... I mean, a lot of people just sit and forget their home loan and they don't have a budget. Not many people do have a budget, although now when you apply for a home loan, the bank requires you to have pretty much a budget. For example, they'll ask you, some of the banks have got 28 different categories of living expenses and we're required to ask the clients how much they spend in those. Most clients throw their hand up in the air, wouldn't have a clue. And so all I can suggest they, they can either go to an awesome government website called moneysmart.gov.au or if they've got credit card statements, they go to their credit card statement, that's pretty much a snapshot of where all their money goes and most yeah. of them are shocked, especially these days with, you know, um, you tap and go, tap, 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 tap for coffee, tap for lunch, tap for the bus fare, tap for yeah, everything yeah. and they've got no idea where their money goes, it's just like sands through the hourglass. So if you are able to, you know, stick in, have you have stick in tight with your, say, your mortgage broker, with your um, bank manager or if you have a financial planner and sit down when you get your credit card statements and reconcile where your money's actually going and you'd, you'd actually be amazed. Yeah, wow. Well, I love the way you make it so, both of you, so simple that you go, oh, I could do that, oh, I could do that. Uh, let me come back to you, though, Bruce, for a second because, you know, you're newly married to Robin... Uh, you buy uh, your first home at 23. You work pretty hard at that to get a deposit for another one. And 10 years later, can I ask you about social costs? That's what I call it. That's where someone goes, because we'd all like to spend a lot of money on a lot of stuff. And, and like, hello, anybody here got things you'd like to have? That's everybody. Uh, but I imagine there must have been a bit for you and Robin of saying, We'd like to do this, but for the sake of setting ourselves up financially, we're going to pause that, we're not going to do that, and we'll change our lifestyle intentionally. Tell us about that. Absolutely. Well, the first thing I wanted to actually share was about that huge step of getting the very first mortgage. That was super, super scary. And I'm not going to quote the dollars because dollars change over the years, but it was relative as now as it was back then when we first started out on this trip. And that... How are we ever going to get a deposit? We're never going to pay this thing off. But of course, never is overused. Um, so the mortgage rate that we signed up for, it was 25 years. So it never seemed like forever, but it was only 25 years. And the thing that made us get a mortgage was, if we don't buy our own home, we're going to be renting, we will have to rent every single day for the rest of our lives. At least with a mortgage in 25 years, that cycle stops and we'll actually own our home. So that was the motivation to buy a first home. We didn't have huge financial goals. That was the goal. Okay, eventually we'll stop paying rent one day. But then we realised after a couple of years, hey, if we actually put some extra money into the mortgage, we can save like Peter was uh, referring to. And that started us on the journey of, you know what, let's think beyond paycheck to paycheck. Let's think about a financial future. Um, and so we really made huge efforts to pay down the mortgage as quickly as we could and then, of course, found out about investment properties and thought that might be a solution for us. But that came at a cost, a financial cost and, as you mentioned, um, a social cost. So we didn't have the, the huge big overseas trips every single year. Uh, we set ourselves a target and said, no, we're going to actually put as much money as we can into setting ourselves up for a financial future. So there was no holidays on there. Uh, there wasn't the brand new car every couple of years. We thought one that's 10 years old will do us fine, long as it's not a money pit. Um, and so we made all those sacrifices. And now, a few decades later, we're in a much better position where we've got nicer cars and we get to go on those trips. But we also have a mortgage which is that size compared to that size. Yeah. It's all really about margin in your life, isn't it? 
Uh, we've all known people who live so close to the edge in any area, whether it's their health, their spiritual life, their social life, as in their relationships, or in their financial life, that just one small pressure brings the whole thing down. And really what you're building into your, <clears throat> pardon me, into your life is you're building margin financially so that you can weather storms and things that come your way uh, without kind of having to fear what the next day might bring. Yeah, and the other thing that we did when we were researching our very first mortgage and when we got the investment property, we did this also. We obviously knew what the current rates were and we said, do some little sample calculations here for us, Mr. and Mrs. Bank Manager. Tell us what the interest payments would be and what our payments would be if the interest rates went to this higher rate. And they said, why do you want to do that? I said, well, because if the rates go up, we want to know that we can continue doing this. And so we did that to build that margin that you're talking about. So it's about being able to sleep at night. Yeah, well, that's great. Can I just uh, jump off from that? Because you talked about not living from paycheck to paycheck. Now, one of the newer products, I actually don't think it's new, I think it's an old one, kind of tarted up, if I can use that expression. But things like uh, the buy now, pay later schemes, um, I was listening to uh, a news feed today where they're talking about the latest apps for salary advances, which sounds so good. You know, buy it now, enjoy it now, hello, you, you'll be right. Can I ask you both to talk about what buy now, pay later looks like if you don't pay it all back? So first of all, so it's a bit different to, in the old days, I remember my mum and dad used to have what was called a lay-by. Uh -huh. And a lay-by is sort of like a, um, a cash version of this, if you like, like an old-fashioned version, but you didn't get the goods until you'd actually paid the lay-by off. So when you made the final payment, then the goods were handed over. Whereas now it's, I want it, I want it now. So hence, um, buy now, pay later came up. And typically, you can borrow up to $30,000 on a, on a buy now, pay later. Wow. Uh, it's not covered by responsible lending. And responsible lending, that means the rules and regulations the banks are obliged can to Can I just jump in by. and ask you to say that again? You can borrow up to 30000 Unsecured. Unsecured. That means mm. you don't have to put up any asset against it. Mm -hmm. And it's not covered by legislation requiring the bank or the lending, it's not a bank, a lending institution to do due diligence on whether you can repay. Correct. And I've got another interesting stat here, which, which is that 70% of clients of these buy now, pay later companies are millennials. And out of those, they're sort of, because there's no responsible lending involved, 40% of those are low income earners and 40% of that group are either students or part-time workers. Why? Because they don't have to go through responsible lending. So they went to a bank for a personal loan or a credit card. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't get it. These guys, they don't worry about any of that sort of stuff. So give us an example because, you know, I've never used it. But let's say you just go and buy, I don't know, like go buy a pair of jeans or something like that. Let's say it's a $100 pair of jeans. You go buy the jeans uh, and, you know, you go, oh, yeah, I'm going to pay it all. But then something else happens. You don't pay it all. What does that look like? So there's different models out there and as they're designed to, you buy the product and it's payable or it's repayable over four fortnightly um, payments. But if you, you're one day late, you pay a fee. And, if, and then if you don't pay a week later, you pay another fee. So the fees start racking up pretty fast. And so as I said, there's different models depending which um, provider you go with. But one example I saw that if you bought a $100 pair of jeans 
potentially you could pay up to $68 worth of fees. So suddenly that $100 pair of jeans has cost you $168. And so if they're asking $168 for the jeans in the first place, I'm guessing you probably wouldn't have bought them because you could have paid $100 over there for them. So, and another thing, and I sort of, I've said this before really, that I'm not big in any of these schemes because you're really, you're buying something you can't afford. And for the sake of four fortnights, that's two months, couldn't you just wait and save up the money? Now, if it's a urgent and it's a fridge and that's, a, that's a, a need as opposed to a want, then I get it. Go out and buy the fridge and if you're confident you can pay it back in two months, then I get that. But if it's just for the sake of a pair of jeans, unless you're down to nothing to wear and you've only got your jocks or knickers to wear around town, well, fair <laughs> enough, I get it. But otherwise, don't do it. Just save for, save for, two, for two months and, yeah, just uh, tough it out. So can I jump yeah, in there, yeah. Peter? Because we've got a slide that helps demonstrate mm. that. And it's interesting that you mentioned that there isn't the same lending criteria that the banks have. And so if you went to the bank and said, hey, I'd like this money, the bank's going to say, well, actually, you really don't earn enough and your financial position is not that great. So for your own protection, we, don't, we can't give you this credit. Yet the other afterpay organisations and, and buy now, pay later things, they're going to say, hey, not a problem. So mm. that really should be the red flag. And the thing is, the, the way that these uh, schemes are pitched is that it's on the low value items and it doesn't really matter. Well, have a look at this chart because it really does matter. Uh, it's, um, actually, if we can go forward to the very last slide, it's an example of the jeans. In actual fact, sorry, guys. There we go. Mobile phone case, it's $29, not a problem. But if you don't pay that out in the time frame specified, there is a minimum $10 charge for just one of these providers. So your $9 phone case becomes $19. Do people after, sorry, pardon my ignorance, do people after pay a $9 phone case? Yeah, they do. Because it's like tap and go, it's credit card, it's easy cash, it's just whack it on the card. That's two cups of coffee. Or two and a half phone cases, yeah. Well, okay. All right. and, and the jeans, slightly Hello. different example. Uh, there's different providers out there. So the provider that I found, and let me tell you, I'm not unintelligent. But me trying to read their conditions and what the fees were was very confusing. Um, so this is what I was able to interpret. The $80 pair of jeans, if you don't pay that out in the required time frame, then you get slugged an extra $20 in charges. So $80 jeans become $100 jeans. I think I'm right in saying that the fees also come into the interest calculations as well if you continue to not pay. So you're paying interest not only on the original purchase price, but on the fees on top. Is that so? Yeah. I mean, some of them say, oh, we've got limits. There's a cap on it. It's like, yeah, you don't want to reach the cap, though. <laughs> wow. So, well, yeah, potential trap. Again, I don't think people are bad, nor do I think people are stupid. I think mostly people are uninformed. And what looks easy, you know, there's a grand old saying that most of us have heard, you know, that if it looks too good to be true... It probably is. And so certainly with some of this, Peter, I think you told me that some of these uh, vehicles, if you want to call them that, some of these ways of doing it, can attract an interest rate of up to 20... Well, sometimes 29 or 30%. That's mainly your, your store type account. So you're, you're five wow. years interest-free with a... You're buying a fridge through someone and they'll give you five years uh, interest-free. Well, that's great. And if you can pay it off in, inside the um, interest-free period and keep the money, for example, in your offset account where you're saving money off the home loan, then you just pay it off, knock oh. yourself out. But if you don't pay that back within the prescribed time, you're up to 30%. There's an awful lot of people out there paying 30% who don't realise that they are. Because as Bruce says, they, 
you know, the, the uh, requisite um, firms give them all the data, but you, know, you get blinded by science. Even if you're a smart guy, you have to read it five times to sort of get to the nitty gritty and find out what are the actual terms, conditions of that um, facility. Wow. And the other thing is a lot of people forget about it. They pay it off, but the facility is still there. And I had a client recently who they, they um, bought something, paid it off within about a month and then forgot about it. And then they went to, we went to apply for a top-up to their home loan and the bank says, eh, there's an undisclosed credit over here, which they don't like. They think you're being sneaky. And they'd just forgotten about it. They paid it off and thought that was the end of the matter. So both those and also with these buy now pay later things you know quite a few millennials will chalk up six or seven of these things and each time you chalk it up that's sort of dragging down your credit rating because in australia more is more is bad and then wow. if you're late with your payments that's a double whammy because not only did you have the cheek to take one of those out but you haven't even been able to pay it back on time so you go to apply wow. for that home loan or car loan and you might end up being a little bit disappointed tell us about uh salary advance schemes which are kind of now the latest thing out whereby you kind of go, hey, I've got a job and I'm, I'm getting my salary but I, I really want to get this now and they give you an advance but again, I'm pretty sure that won't be free. Uh, well, I, I'm, to be honest, I don't know the terms and conditions of those but again, it gets back to my um, earlier statement that if you're needing to get your salary in advance then maybe you're living beyond your means and you really need to sit down with a professional and, and go through your finances like a dose of salts and um, sort of uh, tighten up the the purse strings a bit. And there's a lot of ways you can save money and you can use this technique to, you know, get pay your home loan back. And I said this, uh, I think, in an earlier session, it is so easy, as you said, that's only a couple of coffees a day. But let's say, you, you know, Lynette and I are obviously married, so if we both bought two cups of coffee each a day, that's uh, nearly $20 a day, that's $100 a week. So that could be going off your home loan. If you buy your lunch every day, so if you just bought your lunch, let's say $15 a day, if a couple does it, that's $30 a day, there's $150 a week there on your buying your lunch, and if you each bought two coffees, there's another 100 It's $250 a week. It just disappeared like that. And if you paid that off your home loan, then your graph would probably be showing you might be saving $100,000. Even if it means if you get up half an hour early, make your own lunch. Uh, if you just use leftovers from dinner the night before, Lynette's an awesome <laughs> cook, so we never have leftovers. I always lick the plate clean, but... Um, so I get up early to make my lunch, but yeah. Are you kidding me? So I, I really want to ask you this. So you take your lunch to work, huh? Yeah, I get up early. I get half an hour early to make my lunch, so What yeah. a guy. Man. And it's healthy as well. Yeah. How good is that? That's fantastic. I love the practicality of all of these things that you're talking about. Um, Bruce, I know you and Robin have been great givers as well in your life but this is what I know is that as much as so many people want to be a part of the answer they really do I found it overwhelmingly that almost every Christian I know and most Aussies generally we are famous for being a generous nation and people want to be but for so many people they have made missteps often through ignorance and they just can't do what they'd like to do and really a lot of this, isn't it, is not just about money for money's sake or financial cleverness. It's really about positioning you so that you can be a part of the answer. You can bless when you need to bless. Isn't that right? Absolutely. And uh, newsflash here, but being on staff at a church, uh, even one as generous as Metro, does not make you uber rich. And oh. so <laughs> this was something that, you know, it's been on our heart, Robin and I, for for many, many years. And so we also made sure that we were providing for a financial future uh, so that if the time came that we were 
asked to be on staff and we did, then we were able to say yes and know that we could actually still get by and still continue to be a blessing. Wow. That's so awesome. being part of the answer is like having that big vision of like, I'm positioning myself, Lord, to be able to be used and doing the best that I can to make that happen. So we've gone everywhere from you've got a mortgage, this is how you can maximise the benefits back to yourself, and then all the way down to the lower income things of $9 phone cases. Is there anything more you want to add in, Peter, that's on your heart for... Well, uh, not, everyone's, not everyone's got a home loan, but pretty much most people have credit cards. So if you're struggling to get your credit card paid off, then um, there are plenty of banks out there offering what's called interest-free balance transfer. And all that means is you're transferring your existing credit card debt on which you're probably paying 18% or something like that to Bank B, where Bank B is offering you interest-free balance transfer. So all you're doing is transferring your $10,000 debt, on, so for example, let's say it's $10,000, on which you're paying 18%, transfer it from that bank, Bank A, to Bank B, and Bank B will give you, there's some offers out there up to 22 months, so nearly two years interest-free. So the aim would be to pay that credit card off inside the interest-free period, and that saves you 18% per annum over that 22 months. Wow. Um, we've also got Christmas coming up, so very quickly, here's some oh, tips yeah. for you Look, over I Christmas. Hear, I want to hear Pete's top 10 tips for Christmas. All right, I'll go through them pretty fast, but you can always slow me down on YouTube. Um, so first of all, maybe have money deducted from your pay, and some of these are going to be a bit too late for this Christmas, but you could start them now for next Christmas. Have money deducted from your pay and deposit it into a separate Christmas fund account. For example, $50 per fortnight means come next Christmas you'll have about $1,300 to spend. And better still, you can set up a separate offset account and call it Christmas fund account. So while you're saving for Christmas next year, it's saving you money off your home loan. Winner, winner. <laughs> next one can be a tip is, and I've said this before, but use a debit card to spend money that you do have rather than spending a credit card to spend money that you don't have. What you don't want to do is have this massive debt legacy hanging over your head. Um, you go to the, the New Year's Eve or Christmas um, sales and, oh, bummer, I've, uh, I've already blown my credit card before Christmas, so you don't want to do that. Try smoothing out your regular bills to assist with cash flow. So bills such as your power bill, gas, home and contents insurance, private health cover, they can, usually can all be paid fortnightly or monthly. So rather than just getting one big annual bill and it's like a snake trying to swallow a pig, it's going to take you ages, try to just use it and pay it off in bite-sized chunks so you smooth out your cash flow. So explore that. Shop around each year for the best deals on things like home and contents insurance, private health cover, car insurance, your home loan, credit cards, gas, because if you don't ask, you don't get. Um, we actually, actually did a review on our private health cover. We're on the top health cover and even though my wife's in peak physical condition, she was also covered for pregnancy, and I don't think that was likely to happen. So um, we actually uh, nipped that in the bud, and we're not paying for pregnancy anymore, so that's pretty good. Um, the next one, have a budget. This is an awesome, awesome website. There's a lot of things the government doesn't do right, like the uh, coronavirus app. But this one is really, really good. Money, visit moneysmart.gov.au. And it's, um, it's active. It's, there's an app. It'll track, keep you on, on target. So if you're not sticking to the budget, it'll send you out an eh, 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 to your phone and it really keeps you on track. It is, and it's really, really, it's, it's for the ABC of, of um, budgeting. It is dead easy. Um, and then work out what your regular bills are. So for example, if you do your budget and then it tells you, right, you need 7,800 per annum to cover all your bills, well then get $300 per pay deducted from, or per fortnight from your pay. 
and then get that put into a separate account, a bills account. Again, that bills account can be offset against your home loan. So all these four savings, you've got your Christmas fund account, you've got your bills account, you're um, squirrelling away and they're helping to save you interest on your home loan. Um, and again, as I said, when you're doing your budget, work out what is a need. A need is something that's essential. So typically essential is something you need to live, like groceries, rent, power, gas. A wants are nice to have, but it's not essential. So you don't need the latest and greatest pair of jeans, you don't need the latest and greatest um, shoes or fashion accessory or whatever it want, or tattoo, whatever it might be. You don't need that. But a, um, a need is something you need to survive or to live. Um, so get rid of as many wants out of your budget as possible, for example, buying your lunch every day. And the other thing can be, consider buying a Christmas hamper. There's, there's places like, there's a company called chrisco.com.au, and you probably remember seeing the advertised straight after Christmas. There you can actually buy a Christmas hamper and you can choose how much it costs you, and then you pay them off in fortnightly instalments. They've also got a whole huge gift catalogue there. Again, you can pay them off fortnightly. So come Christmas, you've done your Christmas shopping, you've got your presents, Happy days. And again, you can set up a separate account for that. And the last thing, and Linda Battersby is great at this, is that plan ahead and buy next year's Christmas presents, cards, decorations <laughs> at the post-Christmas sales. She's probably cringing right now, but hey, I salute you, Linda, because that's a great thing to do. She has our Christmas presents rep by New Year's Day, so that's awesome. Thank you so much. Come on, give Peter a big hand and uh, appreciate all that info. That was definitely speedy there. We'll definitely have to slow you down, I think. Pastor Bruce, I'm just going to ask you if you would just to pray before we finish this session because I know there's a lot in there and I don't want people hearing this and going, oh, no, that's all too hard. You know, I can't do all that. I believe God wants us to prosper and I know that he wants to help us be wise, that's for sure. So how about you pray for that for every one of us? Thanks. Absolutely. Father God, we thank you that you are so interested in every part of our lives, Lord God, and that includes our finances. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to hopefully unpack uh, some different financial strategies that uh, might seem overwhelming, Lord, but uh, we also know that they are just so simple things, Lord. I pray that you'd speak to every person uh, that's been a part of this service, uh, either live or they're a part of it uh, after the event, Lord. I pray that every single one of us, Lord, you just speak that one thing that you want us to start with, Lord God. Just like you don't call us and, and, and demand that we become instant super disciples, but you just want us to take one step at a time. So, Lord, I pray that you will direct all of us, Lord, to take that next step uh, towards a uh, better financial management so that we can be greater blessers of others and provide in our lives as well and see your blessing flow in and through us. For your kingdom's sake, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, give Pastor Bruce and Peter a big hand. Thank you so much. God bless you again, gents. That's fantastic stuff. Every time we do one of these, I feel like we could go another half an hour, an hour, and still not exhausted at all. So thank you for your help on that. You know, Pastor Bruce was just talking there about taking the next step. I don't know about you, but I thank God that many years ago, I took the next step. I still remember the night that I did it. I remember the place where I was. I remember the heart pumping as someone began to speak about what it meant to follow Christ and about giving Jesus your life and about saying yes to Him. I remember they were singing a song. And I remember that I was sitting there saying, Lord, and I actually said this even though He wasn't my Lord yet, but I said, Lord, if they sing it one more time, I'll do it. 
Well, fortunately for me, they did one more time and I gave my yes to Christ. That moment, that yes changed my life. I didn't decide on a career as a pastor. I decided on a choice that I would follow Jesus. I recommend Him incredibly highly to you. Higher than anything I could ever suggest to you is that if you'll say yes to Jesus, if you'll let Him come into your life, He will change you for the better in every way. It's so easy for you to say your yes. If you're in Australia, you can simply text yes right now or whenever you want to to 0488 826 392. 0488 826 392. They'll leave it up there for a minute. I've watched people just take a photo of the number or write it down. And then somewhere or other during the week, we often get these at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. in the morning. Somebody somewhere has gone away and thought about what does it mean to say yes to Jesus and they give us their yes. If you're outside of Australia or you'd prefer to get the help via email, then you simply give us your yes at yes.metrochurch.org.au. But whichever way you do it, the moment you do that, the next day, we send to you one scripture and one prayer. It's different every day for 30 days. And it comes from us at Metro Church. It's not some third party. No one's ever going to write and ask you for money or for anything. We're going to send this to you and be praying for you that God will really be everything that He wants to be in your life. Can I pray for you before we worship one more time? I know lots of you will have questions. Can I urge you, make your peace with God. Say yes to Christ. Trust Him with your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for every way that You lead us. Thank You for the things that we can look back and say, God, You were there. You were reaching out for me. My yes was not just all about my choice. You were there wooing me and and drawing me to Yourself. So I pray, God, for those people that are going to give their yes to Christ right now. People that are a part of this on Facebook Live or on YouTube. And God, as they are a part of this service sometime in the future, they'll still bring their yes then. And God, it'll be the beginning of a brand new life with You. We are so grateful for all that You do. We thank You for Your salvation and Your great grace for us. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Send us your yes. We'd love to hear if you're in the building. You can just do exactly the same. Send your yes through. We'd love to hear from you and be a part of that.